0: to Head of the Pack. I'm Matt Schneidman here with Bill Huber. We are coming to you live from the media work area at Lambeau Field. 10.46 p.m. on Sunday, October 2nd. Packers 27, Patriots 24. It wasn't pretty, but it was a win. And Bill, I feel we might be saying that more often than not about the 2022 Green Bay Packers, at least for now, at least from what we've seen the first quarter of the season, Aaron Rodgers said today, he said, This way of winning, I don't think, is sustainable. Listen, the Packers are 3-1. They'll certainly take that. It's tied for the second-best record in football. But they've won ugly the last two weeks against a team that was down its top three wide receivers and some key offensive linemen, then a team today with a far inferior defense than the one they faced last week and a third-string rookie quarterback. What I wrote tonight is I got the feeling... Um, that there was a heightened sense of accomplishment after they beat Tampa Bay. Forget the injuries that Tampa had. They beat Tom Brady in a really good defense. Today, it might have been more relief that they eked out a win against Bailey Zappi uh, and the now one in three New England Patriots. Granted, it's Bill Belichick, but still. Uh, what do you feel is the current state of this Packers team? And... How much reason is there? Not for concern now. It's week four. Um, they have the Jets and Commanders next. They'll probably be six and one. Oh, Giants, Jets, Commanders. They'll probably be six and one, but looking down the road. Yeah, it's a lot of concern, Matt. Uh, you know, first thing, you know, LaFleur
1: mentioned kind of off the bat about um, thinking that you have the game won before you play it. I, I don't have the quote here exactly in front of me. It was an interesting line because then I asked him, was that the case? And he said, no, he blamed it on us. So, what the? I didn't have anything to do with it. Jesus. So that, that seemed odd. So I, I took it to mean that maybe there was some of that, right? Kind of going to what you said about the Tampa game was a big win. It's a legendary quarterback. So maybe there's a little bit of hangover between that game, um, the State of the Patriots quarterback situation, and London coming up, maybe it all cons- all kind of combined for a lackluster performance. But you say 6-1, and one, and you're probably right, but if you need overtime to win at home, against a third-string rookie quarterback, none of these games are pushovers. I mean, they couldn't stop the run today. What's Saquon Barkley going to do against these guys next week, right? The Jets have two Jets have two wins. Now, they haven't beaten anybody. Uh, I don't think the Packers can take anything for granted, and kind of the story that I'm writing is, is the race is on. You've got these three games coming up that you probably should win, but they've got so many things to figure out, whether it's a defense that I'm not sure really wants to play the run. You've got a offense that scored a lot of points in the halves of some games and like almost none in the halves of other games. You got Matt Lafleur making stupid challenges. It's like he's totally swayed by the crowd. They've got to get all this crap figured out before you start playing the likes of Buffalo and, and
0: Philadelphia. And that's what I wrote tonight. I think the Packers can afford to iron out some of these things now. They're lucky they're playing the Bears, Mm -hmm. a depleted Tampa team, the Patriots, the Jets, the Giants, the Commanders. The Giants could have a third-string quarterback next week too because Daniel Jones injured his ankle and Terod Taylor suffered a concussion today. So they could be down to uh, Davis Webb in London next week. Now, the Packers are fortunate this stuff is happening early in the season. And like Aaron Rodgers says, a coach's favorite thing is to have plenty to correct, but also win, and that's what the Packers are doing. Listen, Josh Aaron Rodgers isn't happy that Josh Myers keeps snapping the ball to the right. Tyler Davis doesn't know what side of the formation to line up on. You know, Christian Watson he had a great touchdown today, but he had trouble tracking um, a deep ball from Rodgers. You know, Romeo Dobbs has fumbled on his first catch both of the, each of the last two games. Elton Jenkins didn't look good at right tackle tonight. Like there are clear flaws with this offense and defense. I mean, more miscommunications, more letting crossers run free, you know, veterans like Dean Lowry and Darnell Savage looking like fools in the run game at times. It's they're concerning, but if the Packers can get this stuff figured out then they'll be fine. We always knew there was going to be a, a, growth period it's more concerning on defense that it's happened now twice in four games week one and today but we knew this was going to happen on offense it's just a matter of when does that patience wear thin and it's not just rogers patience with young guys like davis and myers bill i don't know about you but in these first four games maybe i'm wrong but i haven't heard aaron Rodgers talk this critically about his own play in my four years covering the team you know after he threw that interception in Week One, where he kind of just lofted one up down the field for Randall Cobb against Harrison Smith, he said that was a dumb decision. Mm-hmm. Today, he called his first half terrible. We don't hear Aaron Rodgers talk about himself like that, and that's not for a lack of accountability. It's for a lack of things that he sh- needs to be accountable for. Yeah, it's been a struggle. I mean,
1: what was, the, his, what was his pass rating in the first half? like Eleven point four. I think you had the stat, or maybe it was eleven. The well, Mosby it, it was info. from.
0: It was Domovsky, Stats and Info, 11.2, the lowest passer rating in a single half in any of the 210 career games that Rodgers has started. Not
1: good. Um, First half there, one out of five on third down. Um, You know, the pick six, I mean, the decision was bad. The throw was worse. I mean, Rodgers kind of poked fun at himself a little bit. He said... if It was a better pass. It'd have been an easy interception for the for uh, Jack Jones. So, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're I mean, look, we. I feel like this is like the same podcast again and again. But they've got to get Dobbs to be a reliable performer, and the same with Watson because there's just not enough consistency of Lazard and Cobb getting open on a routine basis. Yeah, they've they've made some plays, but not enough. They've got some serious flaws, and you're right. Elton Jenkins has not been good, and I, I think you have to excuse some of it. But, um, man, they, it's like Aaron Jones is like the only thing they have going with any consistency. I guess I mean as he, yes, he struggled against Tampa Bay too. Because so I guess I'll redact that a bit. But they have they have really have nothing to hang their hat on right now, which is maybe just obvious. I haven't seen it here in, in forever. But,
0: whew, they got to get things figured out pronto. They do. Um, listen. It certainly didn't help, and maybe I'm wrong, but it looked like Rudy Ford might have been in the middle of some of those miscommunications. Uh, I could be wrong. We'll ask Joe Barry and folks about it tomorrow, and and throughout the week. But you know, Adrian Amos went down early with a concussion. Jair Alexander didn't play, but at the same time, like you got to be able to figure this stuff out, and and for this defense to. Going back to Lafleur's thing of, you know, it being our fault that the expectations are high, the guys on defense talk talk their talk all Mm offseason. And, yeah, they've been really good in two games. But in the other two games, there have been some inexcusable things. Joe Barry said his front was special. Guess what? There's one special player on the Packers' defense right now, and it's Rashawn Gary. There might be one special player on the entire team this season consistently through four games and it's Rashawn Gary outside that Packers won't be able to afford these stretches of futility and and disappearing for much longer. Like, you know, we've talked about their upcoming schedule. Then starting in week eight, not consecutively, but they have the bills, the Titans, the Eagles, the dolphins, the Vikings, again, the Rams, how they've played these last two weeks might not fly against any of those teams. No, the run defense
1: is, you know, to, to Joe Barry's special front line. Everybody in the world knows what the Patriots are going to do today, right? Even if, even if Brian Hoyer was playing, I mean, their game plan was obvious. They're going to run the football, and it becomes even more obvious when, when the rookie gets in there. And They rush for 167 yards on five yards to carry. It's like every time, Matt, they, they just got around the corner again and again. And again, and Devondre Campbell, who was so special last year, has not been special this year. Um, Quay Walker's made some plays, but not routinely enough. Everybody loves to rush the passer. They, everybody loves to do that. But you got to stop the run to get there. I don't know that these guys really want to play run defense. They're going to have to start, and they're going to have to get that drill into their head. Um, but that's to me like the big concern is when you know what they're going to do you still can't stop it
0: yeah that's true and like you knew that what the patriots were going to do because they were bringing in an an extra offensive lineman on every play that drive their touchdown drive that they uh went on seven plays six runs it was something like 12, 17, 5, 4, 6, 1, 2 yardage or something like that. And you knew that Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia weren't going to let Bailey Zappi just throw all over the place. Um, It is concerning that when it's very obvious what another team is going to do, that the Packers can't stop it. But what this reminded me of tonight, and I wrote this in the story is this reminded me of the 2019 season. Rodgers would tease us for saying they won ugly, but he said it was a win. Yeah, that's fine. Until you get to the playoffs against a team that can expose all these flaws that you've shown, like the 49ers did. It's four games. So I'm not saying that's going to happen. But we've seen kind of this trend start before, and we saw how that season ended.
1: It's a great example, Matt. That's really good. Um, because you can, and you know, certainly we've talked about you know, it's you know, the growing pains, and you, know, you got to get these rookie receivers up to speed, and the offensive tackles are coming back. I, I get all that, but we are four games into it. and What's changed? I mean, we're talking about the same things that we were talking about back in August. Offensively speaking, and the defense has been underwhelming for all the talk and for all the trash they had, they had the audacity to spew at Rodgers at times and for all the woofing they did at the Saints during those joint practices. And they got run out of the Metrodome or Metrodome, Jesus. <laughs> U.S. Bank in the opener, and um, you, you know they played good against Tampa, but you like you mentioned right off the bat, it was against or without their uh, three receivers in their left tackle. So what, what does that even mean? So nothing has changed until until these rookies start playing better, or the offensive tackles you know find their their groove, or the defense decides they want to go play some run defense. This is who they are. So, again, it's not set in stone it's who they're going to be, but like you said about 2019,
0: maybe it is who they are. Maybe it is. We'll see if they can figure it out. I think a couple things that will really help them. The biggest keys for this offense are this. you got to find not just your best five offensive linemen, I know that's Matt LaFleur's favorite term, but play guys at positions they're best at. Is Elton Jenkins better used at left guard or right tackle? I'm inclined to say left guard right now, but is John Runyon better used at left guard or right guard? Can Josh Nyman play right tackle? The only constants, the ones that we know for certain where they belong is David Bakhtiari at left tackle and Josh Myers at center. Other than that, the Packers might have to do some shuffling. Um, I think the maturation of Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson is going to be massive. Mm-hmm. We knew there were going to be growing pains, but Christian Watson's got to learn how to track deep balls and catch them. And Romeo Dobbs has to hold on to the ball, whether it's while he's trying to catch it, like on the touchdown. I know that's a tough one, but that's a drop. Or on his fumbles. Rodgers said tonight he just has to learn to go to the ground. But the good those two guys can provide outweighs the bad which is why they're going to still keep getting opportunities Randall Cobb's been great this year yep third and Cobb like clockwork Twitter wouldn't let me tweet it a second time tonight since I already tweeted it that's how often he is clutch on third down you know Tunyon he's not going to see a ton of targets but he's going to catch it when it comes to him Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon got back on track after tonight and it was interesting how they used them Jones had another great night kind of slashing And then Dylan just pounded the rock on that final drive into very reasonable field goal range. But the three big things are if Jenkins keeps playing like this at right tackle, and it turns out not to just be rust coming off the ACL, you got to find where he fits best. And then Watson and Dobbs have to grow up. I understand rookie receivers haven't been relied upon like this around here, but they are, and the excuses are going to run out sooner rather than later. They're playing well, but they've got to tighten some things up.
1: Yeah, the, the fumbles on Dobbs, I mean, Devontae had zero last year. He caught, what, 8,000 passes? He had zero fumbles, and Dobbs has had two in back-to-back games. I mean, that's just, it's hard to blame that on youth, isn't it? I mean, he's been catching passes for, you know, his whole life, basically. And yeah. That's just, that's just sloppy. So Yeah, that tightened up. But again, that's for the upside of the offense. Is. You know, him and Christian Watson, they've, those are the guys who, who can make a five-yard pass into 40 or can beat someone deep. Those are the guys who have the upside, and, and you're right, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to stick with it, as maddening as it is. There's really nowhere else to go. So I yeah, they're God, we're talking about this like a three-in-one team, or at least I am. Um it's a lot of doom and gloom. But they are three-in-one, Matt. And I know we got a lot of – there's a lot of questions here from the fans too. What would you do on the O-line? You just kind of mentioned a minute ago. Because we have a lot of Yash Naiman at right tackle talk. If you are Luke Butkus and Adam Sinovich going to work tomorrow, what what are
0: you thinking? I'm thinking I need to see if John Runyon Jr. can play right guard and Yash Naiman can play right tackle so we can have the best left side of the offensive line in the NFL with Bakhtiari and Jenkins – Myers, Runyon, Nyman. That's their best five. Now, I know we talked about this off air this week. The best five isn't just the best offensive lineman. It's the best five where they're being played at their position. We don't know if Yash Nyman can play right tackle as well as he's played left tackle. We don't know if John Runyon Jr. can play right guard as well as he's played left guard. But we know Elton Jenkins can play a really damn good left guard. And if the Packers want their their best five, and it turns out that Runyon and Nyman can, can man the, the right side of the line, Jenkins should go back to left guard. Now, this could just be Elton getting used to a new position, facing a, a really good edge group with the Patriots, and some more rust coming off the ACL. But if this continues, then I think it's worth exploring a change. Now, I don't think Royce Newman's been as bad as you know the Twitter masses have made it out to be, but... Adam Stenovich knows offensive line play better than anyone in this building. And he said he needs Royce to run through people, be more physical. You don't really hear coaches critique players like that around mm-hmm. here. He said it last year that Royce was it being inconsistent. Did Royce Newman play in the playoffs against the 49ers or against the 49ers? Nope. No. So If that's a sign of things to come, I don't know if that means they put in Zach Tom at right guard or they put Elton Jenkins at right guard or they switch John Runyon Jr. to right guard. We'll see. But listen, I can't say what I would do because I don't know what the coaches know about if Runyon and Nyman can switch over to the right side. But if they can, I would go Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Nyman.
1: Yeah, the, what I would say to that is, don't you? W- w- if you're sure that Bakhtiari is going to be set for the rest of the year, and he played almost wire to wire today, he set out for one series. I think it was like a three play series of that too. So he played all but three snaps, I believe. But if you're if you're sure that Bakhtiari can do that, then that would make some sense. I guess I would wonder if you really can afford to move Nyman. From left tackle, because you know, what if Bakhtiari, God forbid, goes down, you know, in, in week six or, or whatever it's going to be? Do you need to have your left tackle be Yash Jamin? He's been taking all those practice reps. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting dilemma for sure. Um, he did play right tackle, Tuck Speaker. on that one. He did play right tackle at Virginia Tech. I don't think he's done much of it here. Um, it's hard to say what goes on behind closed doors after they throw us out of practice. But let's go back to his three training camps, or I guess it was four. He's basically been only a left tackle for all those training camps. So there'd be some rust there. And maybe, maybe you just have to sink or swim and assume that you're going to swim um, once Jenkins gets fully acclimated to right tackle. So um, I, right. I would probably stick with what they got. But man, it's an awful lot of pressure again today. I know it was only one sack against Rodgers, right? Yes. Yeah, just one sack, but and they ran the ball well yardage wise, but it didn't seem like there's a lot of pressure that that's kind of limiting what they can do as far as chucking it downfield or something. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
0: Let's go to a question from Parker Eves Price. How bad is it that the special teams has been the best unit? Consistently, yeah, but tonight I didn't think they were good. No. You know, especially um, covering kick and punt returns. The Patriots averaged 24.5 yards on two punt returns, one of 29, one of 20. They averaged 27.8 yards on four kick returns. Uh, That's not good. I mean, the the Packers punting is fine, but Amari Rodgers can't make anyone miss and then he had the the uh one that bounced in front of him that was like just makes everyone in the stadium nervous they've still been better through four games than they were through any four game stretch last season probably but today was a step back on special teams
1: yeah it's funny i was i was trying to compliment basachi on thursday about whether his coverage units could be something they could really hang their hat on. because they have been really good. And here they are today where there was pump returns of 20 and 29 yards. And I'm trying to get to the average, A Crosby's kickoffs weren't very good, but the new England's average starting point on kickoffs is the 27. So they got all past the 25, too often two. So their coverage units, which had been strengths became weaknesses at least for one day. So it is, it does show you how quickly things, things can change in this league for sure. But, um, Probably for the four games, yeah, I'd agree with him. Special teams has kind of been their best thing, which isn't saying a whole lot.
0: Not great. not great. All right, from Kyle Broughton, does ignoring a rookie wide receiver after one bad play then targeting him when it matters at the end justify the previous three quarters of not going for him? <laughs> Listen, I think Rodgers has a lot of trust in Romeo Dobbs, and he said it mm-hmm. tonight. He He said, if I throw you a back shoulder fade, down seven in the fourth quarter. That means I have confidence in you. I think that, you know, after Christian Watson dropped that ball against the Vikings, Rogers didn't really go back to him. Romeo Dobbs fumbles it. And Rogers goes back to him in the biggest moments of the game. He trusts the kid, but like I I said earlier, he has to, he's their most, he, he might be their most talented receiver. You know, in terms of a route running, stretching the field standpoint, Alan Lazard's supremely talented, but in terms of like what he can become, Romeo Dobbs has the highest ceiling on this team probably. Um, But to get there, Rodgers just needs to keep going to him. He has to, because like I said, I I phrased my question to Rodgers like this, the good has to outweigh the bad with him. Would you agree? Yeah, it was
1: interesting. And that ends up being the, the winning drive. He threw those two short, I don't, I don't know if those are run solutions or what, but you know, I think it was gains of nine and eight back-to-back plays. And that second one, Delves just plowed through. Um, I'm not even sure who the corner was on that, but he just plowed right through him. So he's a physical guy. Rodgers has talked about his hands being really good on more than one occasion. Yep, yeah, he's got to keep going to him because, man, he is – that back shoulder was
0: basically vintage Devonta Adams, wasn't it? it? Hey, twelve to eighty seven on the back shoulder. Where have we seen that before? Yeah, Did... I don't know.
1: That was a hell of a play though. Um and Rodgers had talked about he told those rookies not to expect back shoulder. So just to kind of throw it in the flow like that, really, really was a big time play. Obviously super important one too. But man, that guy's yep. good. I realize that he it's a tough drop to give him that one. The fumbles are awful but boy he's got some talent
0: all right let's see from josh what grade do you give the packers after the first quarter of the season Ooh, that's a good question. question i'll go b plus because listen there's something to be said for winning close games no matter how ugly it is if you look at the las vegas raiders they lost three extremely close games to start the season, finished 0-3. Good teams know how to win close games, no matter how poorly they play before that. The Packers are a good football team. Are they a great football team? Not right now. And that's what separates them from a B-plus to an A-minus. They're 3-1. and one. They've showed flashes of defensive and offensive brilliance. Special teams brilliance, even. But to get into that A-minus range, they got to put it together. Yeah, boy, um, it's... As
1: mediocre as they played, I'm trying to think of a reason why to be harder on it. But you're right. The only thing that matters at the end of the day is the scoreboard. Not, you know, that, they are minus three on turnovers, which is unpackers-like. Um, but they find a way. So, yeah, I, I, would, I guess I'd go a B just because of the turnovers and the poor run defense in three out of the four games. You know, that bad LeFleur challenge, uh, along with the suspect Barry game plan in week one. Um, So I guess I'd probably go B-. minus. Here we go from Gabriel Bossy. Why won't the Packers play more aggressive? Most teams have won the following. A good secondary, a good pass rush. The Packers have both. Shouldn't they be more proactive trying to disrupt what the offense is trying to do? Do they need a... Mike Zimmer, like defensive coordinator, to do so. I emphasize that because we've talked about that amongst ourselves a couple of times. Or is Matt LaFleur to blame? On this one, Gabriel, I would say it's hard to be aggressive on defense when you can't stop the run. Um, I do understand your larger point, um, but when you're giving up five yards a carry, 5.1 yards per carry, and it's a lot of third and mediums to shorts, it is awfully
0: hard to get aggressive. Right. The, the key for the Packers last week against the Buccaneers – was getting them into third and longs. Mm -hmm. You know, the Buccaneers didn't run the ball much, but the Packers stuffed it when they did. Against the Bears, they were horrific defending the run. Against the Vikings in week one, Vikings had 28 carries for 126, four and a half yards a carry. That's pretty good. Week two, it was horrible. The Bears had 6.7 yards per carry on 27 rushes. And tonight the Patriots averaged over five yards per carry on, I believe it was 37 rushes. Like like you said, Bill, if the other team is consistently getting in, you know, third and shorts or not even getting to third down, you can't really, you know, pin your ears back and go get the quarterback and be aggressive on the edges uh, with your cornerbacks manning up against guys because – They know they don't have to drop back and throw or drop back and have a receiver beat a Jair Alexander or Rasul Douglas or an Eric Stokes because they can just run the ball up the gut. Now, if the Packers can stop the run like they did against the Buccaneers, then they can get more aggressive. That's when Rashawn Gary can get after the quarterback. That's when Kenny Clark can get after the quarterback and disrupt plays. But like you said, it all starts with stopping the run. And the Packers haven't been able to do that in three out of four games this year. Correct. I Nothing to add to that. Here's a
1: going, this is going to be right in our wheelhouse Matt. We should just wrote about it for the athletic from Sam Berghammer. Will Rashawn Gary become the highest paid defensive player in the league this offseason? No.
0: And why is that? I don't think so. I mean, if he keeps playing like he did tonight, then he might. <laughs> but, you know, TJ Watt makes over $28 million a year. Joey is at. 27, I believe Miles Garrett's at 25. I see Rashawn Gary making slightly below that. But if he keeps playing like tonight, maybe more. The guy's unbelievable. He's five sacks in four games. Um forced a fumble and recovered it tonight, all on the same play. I saw a couple times there were probably more where he pressured a play to force the quarterback out of the pocket. He's doing it against chip blocks. I mean, the guy's amazing. He's he's been their best player through four games this season, and the Packers are going to have to pay up. Yeah, he was a game record today. Um, yeah, he had the two sacks, and then he f-
1: had the one where he Zappy stepped up, and Jaron Reed had the sack. And then really, this is like the this, the whole sequence of the game is in overtime, where the after a long punt return gave the Patriots the ball at their forty nine, I believe. Uh, Packers forced a three and out punt on that third down. Gary goes storming around the corner against uh, Isaiah Wynn, the right tackle. Uh, Zappi throws incomplete, and they force a punt, and then they end up winning the game. So, um, Boy, he's had a hell of a hell of a... look, we all knew this was coming, right, Matt? I mean, there's there's no surprise that Gary is doing what he's doing. We saw it all through training camp. Um, we saw it at times last year. This is absolutely no surprise. He is how, – how he was not like one of the NFL's top 100 players in that – phony baloney NFL network
0: thing. That's quite a mystery. It is. It is a mystery. That just shows you that it means Jack squat. That's a fact. Let's do one more question. From blob Tunyon. Are the Packers bad or gritty? It's, it's funny because we use different adjectives to describe these wins. Last week, it was gritty this week. It was bad. I think they can be bad and gritty. They were bad for vast stretches uh, of today, but they can also be gritty. I think they were both today. Um, one adjective I would use to describe the Packers through four games is, ooh, that's a good question. I just kind of put myself in a corner there. <laughs> I would say four ah, I was going to text the word I had. Damn it. They've been fortunate with who they've played and fortunate that their mistakes haven't cost them more. Yep, that's perfectly said.
1: They are, you see, lose week one. Week two, you go up against Justin Fields in a horrendous passing attack. So you're fortunate to win that after David Montgomery ran for eight zillion yards. You're fortunate to go to Tampa Bay without Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Julio Jones. And you're fortunate to play a third-string rookie quarterback tonight when you're doing a lot of things poorly and and the quarterback's not very good for the first half, very fortunate. I got one more here, though, from favorite Cecilia J. Bugface. Great way to wrap it up because I've been super negative on this podcast. Am I being an overly optimistic fan to think GB is close? Clean up a series, usually the first on defense, stop fumbling, get the timing down, and rust off the ACL guys. Team is winning, and it seems close to breaking out in all three phases.
0: That's possible. Yeah. I could see that, yeah. I mean, listen. Rogers said, you know, getting off to a faster start can fix a lot of things. Sure. Could it be Romeo Dobbs holding on to the ball? Christian Watson being able to track a ball? Yeah, it's like, I don't know how easy those fixes are but there are things that can be fixed and don't take a full season or even a full month to fix on defense. You would think the miscommunications were fixed after week one, then they came back up tonight. Do you, do you attribute that to them being down two starters in the secondary? Who knows special teams, you know, that that's more of a, a concern because it's a reversion back to their old ways. Whereas we've seen more consistent stretches of, of, competence from the defense and offense to know that, okay, they can just flip the switch and go back to that. One thing I do want to talk about before we get out of here. First, let me let you answer that question, but I want to talk about Devondre Campbell after you answer that question. Yeah, I'll go real quick on that one, Matt. Coaches like to say that
1: once it's on tape, that becomes the expectation. They beat the hell of the Buccaneers for 28 minutes in week three. They played really well the second half and in, in a lot of things tonight. Um, they've shown that they can play high-caliber football. There's no reason that, to Cecilia's point, they can fix up this and that, and we'll show them they can do that this team can be really good.
0: Uh, And very lastly, very quickly, uh, Devondre Campbell does not look like the all-pro player he was a year ago. Whether it's missing tackles, not being able to set an edge, um, Packers need better from him, straight up. Yep. I agree. I mean, we talked
1: about him a lot. Um, You know, Dean Lowry's gotten a lot of praise, and not that he's been bad, but hasn't been consistent enough. You know, Quay Walker's done some really good things, probably not consistent enough. I'm waiting for the secondary to make a play. Rasul Douglas had what five picks last year? He hasn't had a chance on any. Yeah, defensively, it's been very underwhelming. And I would say Campbell's. I'm sure he's missed more tackles this year than he has all last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the defense goes as as he goes. He's the man in the middle. He's the captain. He's the last one introduced for defensive intros. He's got to set the tone and, and be better. But the Packers are 3-1. and one, um, They have time to be better. And, and like we've said, uh, Coach's favorite thing is to be able to correct things while you're still winning. So um, I am off to London this week. We will do a post-game podcast. I will be in a different country. I cannot wait to go to London. Packers at Giants, 8.30 a.m. Central time. Get up nice and early. Giants are 3-1. And, one. and a, a neat stat I saw on Twitter tonight. Um, what, the NFL's been doing inter- games in London since 2008, maybe? It's been over a decade. First ever London game with both teams having a winning record. Yeah, I wrote about that Um, back when
1: this game was announced. And, <laughs> oh, man. Seriously, they are got to be thrilled to have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback because they've had a lot of really bad teams, a lot of bad quarterbacks. Um, good for them because they've been they've gotten a lot of crap in London. It's like, here's our great game. Enjoy our two crappy teams that nobody
0: wants to watch in the United States. So good for them. Very much so. Well, I can't wait for it. We'll catch you guys next week. As always, thanks for listening. Uh Off to London, mate.